so today we're going to be discussing about the fall and I'm sure all of you have these uh, sermon notes with you and those of you on zoom you would have got them on PDF um, first of all sorry Jonathan for making you read out all those curses to us this morning <laughs> yeah so so today we're going to be looking at the entire chapter of Genesis chapter Genesis 3 and uh, this is a chapter with about 24 verses but we'll we'll go through the entire chapter because I thought it's important for us to really know what this chapter holds for us um, you know this chapter in a way disproportionately divides history into two it, it divides history into pre-fall and post-fall and this is a chapter which 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 gives a lot of answers to several questions that might be plaguing us that might have plagued us in the past as well it gives us answers to why there is so much of evil and wickedness in the world it gives us answers to why there is conflict between human beings why there are relational conflicts it gives us answers to um, why the environment is so degraded so there are a lot of lot of lot of uh, answers that you will get uh, from this particular chapter so so let's dive straight into this particular chapter there is a ppt but i will come to that ppt towards the end okay so right now we'll just focus on this particular uh, on, on on these verses in this in this chapter so i have divided these uh, chapters into a couple of sections so the first section that we will look at is verses one to six and i will read it now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the lord had made he said to the woman did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden the woman said to the serpent we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die you will certainly not die the serpent said to the woman for God knows that when you eat from it your eyes your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it now it says that now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made now over the last two weeks we saw how God God created the world and everything in it with just a spoken word he then came to making of the man he made man in his own image and he saw that man was um, man was lonely and 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 for a companionship he took a rib out of his body and made this beautiful woman called Eve and he presented Eve to her to him and she was called woman now we don't know for how long they lived in the garden without sin but in this particular chapter now it says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made and he said to the woman did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden now often we have assumed that Satan that that serpent here refers to Satan it is it is Satan because that's what we understand from the context but just one verse that you might want to just just keep in your mind is Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 in Revelation if you come to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 it says the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray so you find that Satan is referred to as serpent as well so here Satan was coming in the form of a serpent and he was coming to this woman and saying 
Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Look at the way he, he starts his temptation, right? He's planting a seed of doubt in, this, in, this, in, this, uh, in, in Eve's mind. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. She was correct. She was truthful here. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. She was right there as well. And you must not touch it or you will die. We don't hear about the touching in, in, in chapter 2. So don't know whether she gave her own spin to it. But, but she says, and you must not touch it or you will die. So look at, what, uh, look at what Satan says. He says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Now what's that? Like how the kids would put it, it was a big fat lie, that you will not certainly die. He was totally contradicting what God had said, because if you come to chapter two, and verse 16, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will die. Now contrast that with what he's saying here. You will certainly not die. Right? Bible calls Satan a liar, and he started lying right here. You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes are going to be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now this is, he was peddling half-truth here. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes are going to be opened and you will be like God. Now, what does he mean by that? Okay, in a way, you know, she, they, they did become like God uh, in some sense because they, they, they began to have a greater knowledge of good and evil by eating of the tree. However, they became less like God because they were no longer innocent. They lost the innocence which they had when God had made them. So he was kind of peddling half-truth here. He was telling them that you will be like God, but the fact is they were going to lose their innocence, which they had when God made them. And, 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 and it further says here that when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, now look at the steps here, okay? She saw that the fruit of the tree was good. Okay, so Satan, the brilliant salesman that he is, he was kind of making her feel that she's going to be like God. Now, if you look at it, um, one more thing that I want to say is, you know, many of the world's philosophies and faiths speak about the fact that we as human beings, we are all little gods. There is a little bit of God in each one of us. And look at where that lie started, right? It, it started right in the Garden of Eden. And, and verse 6, when the woman saw, so the first step is she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, it really looked good to her eye. And and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. So that's the lie that she bought into from Satan. She took some of it, okay? She took some of it. So it's not like one fruit. Maybe she took more than one, we don't know. She took some of it, she ate it, she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Seven steps, seven steps to the great fall, right? She saw the fruit of the tree, was good for food, was pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some, she ate it, gave it to her husband, he ate it. That explains the fall, right? In, 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 in one verse, the Bible so well explains the fall. And you know, if you look at it, right, what, what actually happened here? 
Satan succeeded in planting a seed of doubt in the mind of in the mind of mankind. And and it's incredible that that they actually fell for it. Now we now we know that God did not make them as human robots. God did not make them to be controlled totally by him. God gave man a free will in the Garden of Eden and he had a choice to obey God. He had a choice to not listen to the devil. But but Adam and Eve listened to the voice of the devil and that's how they fell. And if you look at it, you know, God had a perfect plan for them, right? And what was God's perfect plan? He made this garden a beautiful garden and he placed man in it because he wanted a fellowship with man. And he saw that man was lonely and he brought this woman into man's life. And he told them, fill the earth, multiply it, rule over it. He gave them a job to tend the garden. That was God's perfect will to live in harmony with God and to live in fellowship with him. But Satan comes and he tempts them and they fall for the temptation. You know, so temptation, the first point that I wanted to say is temptation starts with doubting God's perfect will for us. He has defined it. He's made everything good. But, but you know, Satan comes and makes us question, is that really right? Do you think this is what is good for your life? Living in this garden, not knowing what is good and evil? You should become like God. You are like mini gods. You have the power to be like God. Don't you think you want to be that? And that's how he, he, he tempts us, right? And if you look at it, you know, uh, oftentimes when I was growing up, we've heard, this, uh, we've heard this saying that, you know, Eve was responsible for the fall. She was that bad woman. She ate it and gave it to her poor husband and, and he ate it as well. But you know, in this, in, in chapter six, it says, she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Where was he standing? He was right along with her. When, when serpent was talking to her, he was right beside her. And we find out that he didn't do anything to stop that. It was his job as the head of the home to protect the family. It was his job to ensure that this conversation doesn't continue. It was his job to protect both him and her. But we find that Adam failed in his duty. Not only did he watch all this conversation that was going on, he allowed Eve to, Eve to take the fruit, eat it, and he himself ate it as well. And we find Adam failing in his responsibility as a husband. And we find that the perfect plan of God was being destroyed by the sin of man. And we find both of them responsible. In fact, Adam is responsible because he's the head of the home, which we'll find in, in, in the rest of the verses. Okay? We'll come to the next couple of verses, which is we'll come to, chapter, uh, we'll come to verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. We'll come to the rest of the verse a little later. It says, verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Now, they were always naked, but there was nothing like shame. But now they realized that. They realized their nakedness, and they were shameful. 
and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now you can just imagine that clothes made out of fig leaves, how inadequate that is going to be. But, but they felt the shame and that's what they did. And says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Now I find, I found this really funny, you know. Here was Adam and Eve who were in communion and fellowship with God. They saw God in, 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 in a very close manner. They knew the splendor of his glory. They knew what a magnificent God he is. They knew that he is omnipotent, omniscient. And yet, when they sinned, the tendency is to like how school, school children would you know, hide under the desk, playing hide and seek. They went and hid somewhere because the Lord God came looking for them. It says, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden as if that is going to be enough. You know, sin sometimes makes us do stupid things, right? Many a times, I mean, think about your own lives. Sin can make us do really, really silly and stupid things. We think that we will be safe. But you know, in, uh, in, in Numbers 32 verse 23, it says that be sure your sin will find you out. Your sin is going to find you out. And here God was about to expose their sin. And God said to man, he's asking, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And, and, and so I hid. You know, guys, the consequence of sin always brings pain and shame to us. Sin is always shameful and sin will bring pain into our lives. It is something that God did not design. It is something that God hates. It is something that God did not want or desire for us as human beings. But, but, but it came to the world due to disobedience. And the fact is the consequence of sin always bring pain and shame to us as human beings. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Look at how relationships are beginning to crumble, right? You know, God created everything perfectly, but just look at how sin is now beginning to destroy relationships. And what's interesting is, he says, the woman that you put here, right? So who is at fault? You, God, you are at fault here, right? You put this woman and she gave me the fruit and I ate it. Haven't we blamed God oftentimes, right? We love to blame because God has a perfect will for us but we often like to blame God. God, why did you have to do this? Why did you have to allow this to happen? You could have ensured that these circumstances did not happen. That's our tendency as well. Now, do you see where that originates? It originated right at the Garden of Eden. You know, one, most of you know the story, but uh, a big preacher who was, whose, uh, whose immoral activities recently came to light and, uh, you know, when I was reading about it, he felt some kind of an entitlement because he was working so much for God that he felt entitled to go and do those sins, right? You know, God has a perfect plan. And, and I'm sure he would have questioned God in some sense saying, why are you making my life so busy in ministry? I'm also entitled to some of these things. But, you know, that thought, it started right in the Garden of Eden. So the man blames the woman, the man actually blames God, he blames the woman and he said that she gave it to me from the fruit and I ate it. 
And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. You know, this whole blame game goes around like musical chairs. And, and, and what we understand from this, from this portion is, you know, the consequence of sin brings us pain and shame. It destroys relationships. It, it impacts the trust which we have in people. It impacts our faith in God. It just destroys and creates havoc upon everything. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's amazing how, how, how these people, I was just thinking, they saw God in close quarters and yet they disobeyed and yet they, 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 they brought about this fall upon themselves. Now, if, you, uh, if, if, you, if, you, if we go forward, it says uh, in, in verse 14, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you upon all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. So now God is passing his judgment, okay? And he's saying, he's cursing the serpent, saying that, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. The life of a serpent is, 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 um, is one which is always on the ground and, and it is subject to, subject to um, you know, stoning and beating up by people. So the life of a serpent is cursed. And then he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will crush his heel. Now read this verse very carefully. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. So there's going to be enmity between the serpent and, and, and mankind. And between your offspring and hers, some translations say between your seed and hers. What it means is that, you know, between Satan's several agents and Christ, there's going to be enmity because, and your offspring, it is, it is, it is singular and that refers to Christ. That's what Bible, Bible scholars say. Okay. And God is promising a Messiah right soon after the fall which happened and 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 he which is Christ will crush your head and you will strike his heel now do you see how salvation in the gospel begins playing out soon after sin in the Bible it was not an afterthought by God it happened immediately after the fall right so there is this seed versus seed battle and and and, and the seed which is Christ is going to crush the Satan's head. Now we know that in any accident, if you have a head injury, it's fatal. So he is going to crush Satan's head. And we know that Satan's head was crushed when our Lord Jesus Christ died and when he was resurrected. It says, and you will strike his heel because Satan is going to do everything to prevent that. He thought that, you know, Jesus is dead. He thought that he can be held in the grave, but praise God that he rose victorious and he defeated death, he defeated Satan which is what in, in, in Thessalonians we read, right? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? Sorry, in Corinthians. And to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, speak to any mother. They will know how, how painful labor is. And God, and this is, this is part of God's judgment on mankind. He says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. And with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Then it says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. This is again a relational, relationship 
uh, uh, conflict that emerges here. What he's saying is your desire will be for your husband. The way this is written, we think that uh, it's something great, right? Your desire will be for your husband as if she's going to love the husband, but that's not what it means. What it means is that she will, the woman's natural tendency would be to usurp the authority of her husband. That's part of, that's part of God's judgment. It says, and he will rule over you, which means he would constantly be, be wanting to exert his authority over you. And that's, not, and that's not said in a positive light. It will show all his raw instincts coming out and he will try to be dominating and he will try to put you down, right? Now, do you find the genesis of feminism and male chauvinism here? It all started here. It all started with sin, right? It's not something which is new to the world, but those tendencies were part of the judgment that God pronounced in the Garden of Eden. And then to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. See, cursed is the ground because of you. You know, even when God came looking, he didn't come looking for Eve. Right? She's the first one who ate the fruit. But God called out to Adam. He called out to the man and asked, where are you? He was responsible. And here he says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Now, now we know that even before the fall, God expected them to, 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 uh, to tend the garden and to maintain it. So there was some work but it wouldn't have been so painful. Now, you know, if, you, if you've observed a farmer or, or, or if you know some, something about agriculture, you would know how difficult it is, right? The, the farmer has, has actually no, there's no guarantee that he's going to get a crop because if there is excess rain, his crop will, his crop will uh, get destroyed. If there is no rain, crop will get destroyed. If there is adequate water, pest could come and destroy. You know, it's hard labor. They really have to work hard to till the soil and to get a produce. And God had cursed it. You know, my grandfather was a farmer and I remember when we used to go on holidays, uh, he was a small farmer and he had some bit of land. He had paddy on one side, a bit of rubber, and then little cashew. And whenever we go there, all we would see him is how hard, he was a very hard working man. He would really be in the ground working hard uh, so that the produce comes out. And if you've observed farmers, you will know how difficult it is to get a produce. And that happened again because of God's judgment. He says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. You, they will have to work hard all the days of your life. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. He says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since, you were taken, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Another impact of the fall, right? We are all going to die, right? Death came into the world through, through, uh, through the fall. There was this, I don't know whether you all have seen, this is old uh, British comedy called Mind Your Language, and that there's this Pakistani man who keeps saying, we are all going to die. He keeps saying, we are all going to die. And I was thinking about that, right? We are all going to die. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Death came upon man. God didn't intend man to die, but death came upon man as a result of the fall. 
So what we understand through these verses is, you know, the curse distorts God's perfect plan for man and earth, right? God created this paradise, but, but, but sin and then later the curse comes and, and it completely changed the plan of God for man and for the earth. Let's move on. Verse 20 says that Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out of his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, so man, so he, he names his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. And verse 21 is a significant verse. We'll come to it a little later. But then let's look at uh, verse 22. It says, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Now, now man knows what is good and evil. He's able to, he's able to know what is evil, evil and his, 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 he has lost his innocence. And he must not be allowed to reach out of his hand and take from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Now look at the heart of God, right? So there is this tree of life. And if you, if you partake of this tree of life, you're going to live forever. Now in man's sinful state, God didn't want man to live forever in that decaying body. He didn't want man to live forever. And he didn't man to live in sin forever. And hence he decided to protect man and send him out of the garden of Eden. It says, and the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. I was just thinking, you know, soon after the fall, soon after the fall, look at how the heart of God works. Soon after the fall, he put into action a redemption plan. He promised his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted man to be saved from his sins. The, the gospel kick-started right at the Garden of Eden. And he further wanted to protect man. And in order to protect man, and in order to prevent him from, from, from eating from the tree of life, he actually sends him out of the garden. And he puts guards around it. He says, he banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And he drove the man out. He placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Look at the heart of God, right? He loved man. And he, he, in his perfect will, he wanted man to fellowship. But man, due to disobedience, fell and, and, he, and he disobeyed God. He brought calamity to himself and to the whole world and to the subsequent generations and to the to the uh, and to relationships and to the and 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 to agriculture and and everything right sin corrupted the whole world and yet god has his heart for man and 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 he decides to make a way for him and now let's come to verse 21 it says the lord god made garment of skin for adam and his wife and clothed them you know, this is a very, very significant verse. Now, we know that in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God provides several pictures along the way, which, 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 which are pictures of the gospel, right? Now, some of, the, some of the things that is easy for us to understand is, for example, we know the serpent on the pole. 
It says that for, as, God lifted us, as God lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now we knew that that, that that was indicating the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know about the sacrifice of uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Now we know that that was a pointer to the Lord Jesus Christ because on that very mount, Mount Moriah, eventually the Solomon's temple was built and eventually on that mountain range, our Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed. That was a picture. Passover, again a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, going to show something which is going to happen yet in future. Here if you look at it, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. You remember the kind of clothes they made? They made those clothes with leaves, right? And what did the Lord God do? He made garments of skin and in order to make a garment of skin, what should have happened? He would have had to sacrifice an animal. And when he sacrifices an animal, a life is being lost. And you know, just imagine this, right? Adam and Eve are watching God making the sacrifice, killing an animal, innocent animal being killed. Why is that animal being killed? Because of the shame that they brought upon themselves due to their sin. But an innocent animal is being killed and, the, and, and, and its skin is being taken to make garment to wrap Adam and Eve to cover their shame. And if you look at it, this is a beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he did, right? Innocent lamb, an innocent lamb was to be slain so that, so that his righteousness can wrap around us, right? And our sins were put on him and his righteousness was put on us. And this is a picture of what is to come. And I, I was like really amazed at how God's plan of salvation and how gospel begins to get activated right in the Garden of Eden. And, and this, is the God that we, this is the God that we worship. And you know, the, you know we, are, we are only in Genesis chapter 3. There is so much more in the Bible. All of this, all of this is because of this gospel plan which God activated in the Garden of Eden, right? It is right through the ages that this gospel was being played out. And that's what we're going to be studying here for the next couple of months. How God came into this world through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and how he gave up his life for us to save us, to redeem us, and to cover the shame that we brought upon us. So, um, yeah, we can just look at uh, what we, what, what we did here today. So we said that, some points are missing? Yeah. So we said that temptation started with doubting God's perfect will. Yeah, Satan made Eve question God's character and the certainty of his judgment. Satan promised pleasure, but did not mention the pain. That's another thing, right? He promised, he didn't tell them about any consequence. He only spoke about the pleasure. If you remember what uh, the testimony that Tobin shared um, last week, Again, it's all about today's pleasure. It never tells you about the consequence. And he spoke about how his entire teenage was destroyed as a result of that particular sin. So Satan will always tell you about today, but will not tell you about what's going to happen tomorrow. And the previous slide? Yeah. Adam failed in his responsibility to protect his wife. And that's something which we as men, as husbands, we can look at ourselves, right? 
are we protecting, right? It is our job to protect. And for us to be protecting, we need to know the word of God, right? We need to ensure that we keep the attacks of devil at bay because today Satan tries to destroy families and that is our responsibility. Here is a question that I've put. What are some examples from our own lives where a temptation was clearly ba based on a misrepresentation of God's goodness and character and motivated by our lack of faith? This is for us to go back and think. Yeah, next slide. Okay. Sin brought in pain and shame. That was the next section that we, that we saw. Consequences were spiritual, physical, emotional, right? The, the impact of sin was all around. It was, it, was, it was spiritual, it broke our fellowship with God, it was physical, right? Man began to die. Emotional, it affected our relationships. Began to affect relationship with God and with one another. Have you blamed God for your sin? Right? That's another question to ask ourselves. Have we blamed God for our sin? I must say that I have often asked God, why? Why are we in a situation like this? Many people have suffered such intense evil against, done against them that it's almost impossible to see how God could love them, right? Now that is because there is evil in this world. Sin in the world is the root cause of everything that we see, be it, the, be it, be it what happened, you know, what happened in Germany or Poland, you know, be it anywhere, right? Ultimately, it is a sin of man because we have become corrupt and, 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 and we have gone far away from God. The next slide. The curse distorted the perfect plan of God for man and earth. It affected all creation, brought about pain and death. Agriculture became toilsome. You know, how does our attitude change upon knowing the root cause of all that is wrong with the world today, right? Today, this is a question, right? We, we, we keep hearing this. Why is there so much of pain and grief in the world? But the fact is, the moment you realize that it is the original sin that is the root cause of everything that is happening in the world today, you know, it helps to set our perspectives right. Next slide. You know, this is the beautiful one, right? God the judge became God our redeemer. Right? He's the judge. He judged. He judged sin. He had to judge sin. But God the judge became God a protector and a redeemer. And uh, you know, he sends mankind out of the garden to protect him. He promised his seed to crush Satan and he makes a sacrifice to cover the shame of man. What a, I mean, what a heart that our God has for each of us as, 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 as humans, right? And if you look at, and if you look at the curses from, uh, from verses 14 onwards, you know, he says, cursed is the livestock, uh, sorry, cursed is the serpent. And later he says, cursed is the ground. But he doesn't use the word curse for mankind. He judges man, but he doesn't really curse him. He, and not only that he doesn't curse him, he actually makes a provision through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is easy to think of God in stereotypical terms as an angry father bent on judgment. How can the example of judgment and redemption going hand in hand in the garden encourage us to think of God properly today, right? And that, that's something which we need to think about, right? God who judged, you know, God the judge became God our redeemer and our protector. So church, I would really request all of you to, to go back. We looked at this at a slightly high level. I would request you to go back on once you get the notes, use these, um, use these handouts, use the, use the notes that Ben would send out and, 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 and study this chapter for yourself because once we understand the impact of the fall, 
a lot of things that we've been grappling with would fall in place. So with that, we would end today's, um, we would end today's session. Yeah, we'll just pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we really thank you for allowing us to come around your word and to discuss about the fall. Father, we know that uh, you created the world in a perfect state. You wanted to have fellowship with us, to have communion with us. And sin is not even your creation. But Father, despite the choice, you gave us a choice. And with the choice that we had, we know that we transgressed, Lord. We know that we disobeyed. We listened to the voice of Satan and, and, and we fell. But Father, we want to thank you for your provision, Lord. We want to thank you for your provision in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to thank you for the salvation plan, uh, which, was, which, was, which was ordained by you, Lord. And Father, we know that today, despite our sins, despite the fact that we are far away from God, we want to thank you that through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the cross, we have that hope to become your children, Lord. And we know, Lord, that one day, Lord, like how we would read and we will eventually study in Revelation, we know that how one day all of this, Lord, creation and everything is going to be redeemed. And Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for that. We want to thank you for not giving up on us. We want to thank you for not allowing us to just rot in our sins and to go to hell. But Father, we want to thank you that you care for us and we want to thank you for your continued presence with us, Lord. We praise you, Father. In Jesus Christ's most holy name we pray. Thank you.